0: The Wanderer's Necklace by H. Rider Haggard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Annie Hill. The Wanderer's Necklace by H. Rider Haggard. Dedication. In memory of Udnadatta and many wanderings over sea. I offer these pictures from the past, my dear Vincent, to you, a lover of the present, if an aspirant who can look upon the future with more of hope than fear. Your Colleague H. Ryder Haggard To Sir Edgar Vincent K. C. M. G. Ditchingham, November 1913 Note by the editor. It chances that I, the editor of these pages, for in truth that is my humble function, have recovered a considerable knowledge of a bygone life of mine. This life ended in times that are comparatively recent, namely early in the ninth century, as is fixed by the fact that the Byzantine Empress Irene plays a part in the story. The narrative, it will be observed, is not absolutely consecutive, that is to say all the details are not filled in. Indeed, it has returned to me in a series of scenes or pictures, and although each scene or picture has to do with every other, there are sometimes gaps between them. To take one example among several, the journey of Olaf, in those days my name was Olaf, or michael after i was baptized from the north to constantinople is not recorded the curtain drops at r in jutland and rises again in byzantium only those events which were of the most importance seem to have burned themselves into my subconscious memory many minor details have vanished or at least i cannot find them this however does not appear to me to be a matter for regret. If every episode of a full and eventful life were painted in, the canvas would be overloaded, and the eye that studied it bewildered. I do not think that I have anything more to say. My tale must speak for itself. So I will but add that I hold it unnecessary to set out the exact method by which I have been able to dig it and others from the quarry of my past. It is a gift which, although small at first, I have been able gradually to develop. Therefore, as I wish to hide my present identity, I will only sign myself, the editor. Book I. R. Chapter I. The Betrothal of Olaf Of my childhood in this Olaf life I can regain but little, there come to me however recollections of a house surrounded by a moat situated in a great plain near to seas or inland lakes on which plain stood mounds that i connected with the dead what the dead were i did not quite understand but i gathered that they were people who having once walked about and been awake now laid themselves down in a bed of earth and slept i remember looking at a big mound which was said to cover a chief known as the wanderer whom fredisa the wise woman my nurse told me had lived hundreds or thousands of years before and thinking that so much earth over him must make him very hot at nights i remember also that the hall called r was a long house roofed with sods on which grew grass and sometimes little white flowers and that inside of it cows were tied up we lived in a place beyond that was separated off from the cows by bulks of rough timber i used to watch them being milked through a crack between two of the bulks where a knot had fallen out leaving a convenient eye-hole about the height of a walking stick from the floor one day my elder and only brother ragnar who had very red hair came and pulled me away from this eye-hole because he wanted to look through it himself at a cow that always kicked the girl who milked it i howled and steinar my foster-brother who had light-coloured hair and blue eyes was much bigger and stronger than i came to my help because we always loved each other he fought ragnar and made his nose bleed after which my mother the lady thora who was very beautiful boxed his ears then we all cried and my father thorvald a tall man rather loosely made who had come in from hunting for he carried the skin of some animal of which the blood had run down on to his leggings scolded us and told my mother to keep us quiet as he was tired and wanted to eat that is the only scene which returns to me of my infancy the next of which a vision has come to me is one of a somewhat similar house to our own in R, upon an island called Lesso, where we were all visiting a chief of the name of othelbrand he was a fierce-looking man with a great forked beard from which he was called othelbrand forkbeard one of his nostrils was larger than the other and he had a droop in his left eye both of which peculiarities came to him from some wound or wounds that he had received in war in those days everybody was at war with everybody else and it was quite uncommon for anyone to live until his hair turned grey the reason of our visit to this chief Athalbrand was that my elder brother ragnar might be betrothed to his only surviving child eduna all of whose brothers had been killed in some battle i can see aduna now as she was when she first appeared before us we were sitting at table and she entered through a door at the top of the hall she was clothed in a blue robe her long fair hair whereof she had an abundance was arranged in two plaits which hung almost to her knees and about her neck and arms were massive gold rings that tinkled as she walked she had a round face coloured like a wild rose and innocent blue eyes that took in everything, although she always seemed to look in front of her and see nothing. Her lips were very red and appeared to smile. Altogether I thought her the loveliest creature that I had ever looked on, and she walked like a deer and held her head proudly. Still, she did not please Ragnar, who whispered to me that she was sly and would bring mischief on all that had to do with her. I, who at the time was about twenty-one years of age, wondered if he had gone mad to talk thus of this beautiful creature. Then I remembered that just before we had left home I had caught Ragnar kissing the daughter of one of our thralls behind the shed in which the calves were kept. She was a brown girl, very well made, as her rough robe fastened beneath her breast with a strap showed plainly. "'and she had big dark eyes with a sleepy look in them. "'Also I never saw anyone kiss quite so hard as she did. "'Ragnar himself was outpassed. "'I think that is why even the great lady Aduna the Fair did not please him. "'All the while he was thinking of the brown-eyed girl in the russet robe. "'Still, it is true that brown-eyed girl or no, he read Aduna all right.' moreover if ragnar did not like iduna from the first iduna hated ragnar so it came about that although both my father thorvald and iduna's father Athelbrand stormed and threatened these two declared that they would have nothing to do with each other and the project of their marriage came to an end on the night before we were to leave Lesau, whence ragnar had already gone athelbrand saw me staring at iduna this indeed was not wonderful as i could not take my eyes from her lovely face and when she looked at me and smiled with those red lips of hers i became like a silly bird that is bewitched by a snake at first i thought he was going to be angry but suddenly some idea seemed to strike him so that he called my father thorvald outside the house afterwards i was sent for and found the two of them seated on a three-cornered flat stone talking in the moonlight for it was summer time when everything looks blue at night and the sun and the moon ride in the sky together nearby stood my mother listening olaf said my father would you like to marry iduna the fair like to marry iduna i gasped i more than to be High King of Denmark, for she is no woman but a goddess. At this saying, my mother laughed, and Athelbrand, who knew Iduna when she did not seem a goddess, called me a fool. Then they talked, while I stood trembling with hope and fear. He's but a second son, said Athelbrand. I have told you. "'There is land enough for both of them. "'Also the gold that came with his mother will be his, "'and that's no small sum,' answered Thorvald. "'He's no warrior but a scald,' objected Athelbrand again. "'A silly half-man who makes songs and plays upon the harp.' "'Songs are sometimes stronger than swords,' replied my father. "'And, after all, it is wisdom that rules.' "'One brain can govern many men. "'Also, harps make merry music at a feast. "'Moreover, Olaf is brave enough. "'How can he be otherwise coming of the stock he does?' "'He's thin and weedy,' objected Athelbrand. "'a saying that made my mother angry. "'Nay, Lord Athelbrand," she said, "'he is tall and straight as a dart.' "'and will yet be the handsomest man in these parts.' "'Every duck thinks it is hatched out a swan,' grumbled Athelbrand, "'while with my eyes I implored my mother to be silent.' "'Then he thought for a while, pulling his long forked beard, and said at last, "'My heart tells me no good of such marriage.' Eduna, who is the only one left to me, could marry a man of more wealth and power than this rune-making stripling is ever likely to be. Yet just now I know none such whom I would wish to hold my place when I am gone. Moreover, it is spread far and wide throughout the land that my daughter is to be wed to Thorvald's son, and it matters little to which son.' at least i will not have it said that she has been given the go-by therefore let this olaf take her if she will have him only he added with a growl let him play no tricks like that red-headed cub his brother ragnar if he would not taste a spear through his liver now i go to learn iduna's mind so he went as did my father and mother leaving me alone thinking and thanking the gods for the chance that had come my way yes and blessing ragnar and that brown-eyed wench who had thrown her spell over him whilst i stood thus i heard a sound and turning saw iduna gliding towards me in the blue twilight looking more lovely than a dream at my side she stopped and said my father tells me you wish to speak with me and she laughed a little softly and held me with her beautiful eyes after that i know not what happened till i saw Iduna bending towards me like a willow in the wind and then oh joy of joys felt her kiss upon my lips now my speech was unsealed and i told her the tale that lovers have always told how that i was ready to die for her to which she answered that she had rather i lived since ghosts were no good husbands how that i was not worthy of her to which she answered that i was young with all my time before me and might live to be greater than i thought as she believed i should and so forth only one more thing comes back to me of that blissful hour foolishly i said what i had been thinking namely that i blessed ragnar at these words of a sudden iduna's face grew stern and the love-light in her eyes was changed to such as gleams from swords i do not bless ragnar she answered i hope one day to see ragnar and she checked herself adding come let us enter olaf i hear my father calling me to mix his sleeping cup so we went into the house hand in hand and when they saw us coming thus All gathered there burst into shouts of laughter after their rude fashion. Moreover, beakers were thrust into our hands, and we were made to drink from them and swear some oath. Thus ended our betrothal. I think it was on the next day that we sailed for home in my father's largest ship of war, which was named the Swan. I went unwillingly enough, who desired to drink more of the delight of Iduna's eyes. Still, go I must— since Athelbrand would have it so. The marriage, he said, should take place at R, at the time of the spring feast, and not before. Meanwhile, he held it best we should be apart, that we might learn whether we still clung to each other in absence. These were the reasons he gave, but I think that he was already somewhat sorry for what he had done, and reflected that between harvest and springtime he might find another husband for Iduna, who was more to his mind for athelbrand as i learned afterwards was a scheming and false-hearted man moreover he was of no high lineage but one who had raised himself up by war and plunder and therefore his blood did not compel him to honour the next scene which comes back to me of those early days is of the hunting of the white northern bear when i saved the life of steinar my foster-brother and nearly lost my own it was on a day when the winter was merging into spring but the coastline near R was still thick with pack-ice and large floes which had floated in from the more northern seas a certain fisherman who dwelt on this shore came to the hall to tell us that he had seen a great white bear on one of these floes which he believed had swum from it to the land he was a man with a club foot and i can recall a vision of him limping across the snow towards the drawbridge of r supporting himself by a staff on the top of which was cut the figure of some animal young lords he cried out there is a white bear on the land such a bear as once i saw when i was a boy come out and kill the bear and win honour but first give me a drink for my news at that time i think my father thorvald was away from home with most of the men and i do not know why but ragnar steiner and i were lingering about the stead with little or nothing to do since the time of sewing was not yet at the news of the club-footed man we ran for our spears and one of us went to tell the only thrall who could be spared to make ready the horses and come with us thora my mother would have stopped us she said she had heard from her father that such bears were very dangerous beasts but ragnar only thrust her aside while i kissed her and told her not to fret outside the hall i met freydisa a dark quiet woman of middle age one of the virgins of odin whom i loved and who loved me and save one other me only among men for she had been my nurse "'Whither now, young Olaf? she asked me. "'Has Aduna come here that you run so fast?' "'No,' I answered, "'but a white bear has.' "'Oh, then things are better than I thought. "'Who feared lest it might be Aduna before her time? "'Still you go on an ill errand "'from which I think you will return sadly.' "'Why do you say that, Freydisa?' I asked. "'Is it just because you love to croak "'like a raven on a rock?' or for some good reason i don't know olaf she answered i say things because they come to me and i must that is all i tell you that evil will be born of this bear hunt of yours and you had better stop at home to be laughed at by my brethren Fredisa. moreover you are foolish for if evil is to be how can i avoid it either your foresight is nothing or the evil must come "'That is so,' answered Fredisa. "'From your childhood up you had the gift of reason, "'which is more than is granted to most of these fools about us. "'Go, Olaf, and meet your foreordained evil. "'Still, kiss me before you go, "'lest we should not see each other again for a while. "'If the bear kills you, at least you will be saved from Aduna.' "'Now while she said these words I was kissing Fredisa, "'whom I loved dearly but when i understood them i leaped back before she could kiss me again what do you mean by your talk about iduna i asked iduna is my betrothed and i'll suffer no ill speech of her i know she is olaf you've got ragnar's leavings although he is so hot-headed ragnar is a wise dog in some ways who can tell what he should not eat there begone you think me jealous of iduna as old women can be but it's not that my dear oh you'll learn before all is done if you live begone begone i'll tell you no more hark ragnar is shouting to you and she pushed me away it was a long ride to where the bear was supposed to be at first as we went we talked a great deal and made a wager as to which of the three of us should first drive a spear into the beast's body so deep that the blade was hidden. But afterwards I grew silent. Indeed, I was musing so much of Iduna, and how the time drew near, when once more I should see her sweet face, wondering also why Ragnar and Fredisa should think so ill of her, who seemed a goddess rather than a woman, that I forgot all about the bear. So completely did I forget it, that when being by nature very observant i saw the slot of such a beast as we passed a certain birch wood i did not think to connect it with that which we were hunting or to point it out to the others who were riding ahead of me at length we came to the sea and there sure enough saw a great ice floe which now and again tilted as the surge caught its broad green flank when it tilted towards us "'we perceived a track worn deep into the ice "'by the paws of the prisoned bear "'as it had marched endlessly round. "'Also we saw a big grinning skull "'whereon sat a raven picking at the eye-holes "'and some fragments of white fur. "'The bear is dead!' exclaimed Ragnar. "'Odin's curse be on that club-footed fool "'who gave us this cold ride for nothing.' "'Yes, I suppose so.' said Steinar doubtfully. Don't you think that it is dead, Olaf? What is the good of asking Olaf, broke in Ragnar with a loud laugh. What does Olaf know about bears? He's been asleep for the last half hour dreaming about Athelbrand's blue-eyed daughter. Or perhaps he is making up another poem. Olaf sees farther when he seems asleep than some of us do when we are awake, answered Steinar hotly. "'Oh, yes,' replied Ragnar. "'Sleeping or waking, Olaf is perfect in your eyes, "'for you've drunk the same milk, and that ties you tighter than a rope. "'Wake up now, Brother Olaf, and tell us, is not the bear dead?' "'Then I answered, "'Why, of course a bear is dead. See its skull? Also pieces of its hide?' "'There!' exclaimed Ragnar. OUR FAMILY PROPHET HAS SETTLED THE MATTER. LET US GO HOME. OLAF SAID THAT Ah BEAR WAS DEAD, ANSWERED STEINER, HESITATING. RAGNAR, WHO HAD ALREADY SWUNG HIMSELF ROUND IN THIS QUICK FASHION, SPOKE BACK OVER HIS SHOULDER. ISN'T THAT ENOUGH FOR YOU? DO YOU WANT TO HUNT A SKULL, OR THE RAVEN SITTING ON IT, OR IS THIS PERCHANCE ONE OF OLAF'S RIDDLES? IF SO, I AM TOO COLD TO GUESS RIDDLES JUST NOW yet i think there is one for you to guess brother i said gently and it is where is the live bear hiding can't you see that there were two bears on that ice head and that one has killed and eaten the other how do you know that asked ragnar because i saw the slot of the second as we passed the birch wood yonder it has a split claw on the left forefoot and the other's are all worn by the ice.' "'Then why in Odin's name did you not say so before?' exclaimed Ragnar angrily. Now I was ashamed to confess that I had been dreaming, so I answered at hazard. "'Because I wish to look upon the sea and the floating ice. See what wondrous colours they take in this light?' When he heard this, Steiner burst out laughing till tears came into his blue eyes and his broad shoulders shook but ragnar who cared nothing for scenery or sunsets did not laugh on the contrary as was usual with him when vexed he lost his temper and swore by the more evil of the gods then he turned on me and said why not tell the truth at once olaf you are afraid of this beast and that's why you let us come here when you knew it was in the wood you hoped that before we got back there it would be too dark to hunt. At this taunt I flushed and gripped the shaft of my long hunting spear, for among us northmen to be told that he was afraid of anything was a deadly insult to a man. "'If you were not my brother,' I began, then checked myself, for I was by nature easy-tempered, and went on. "'It is true, Ragnar, I am not so fond of hunting as you are. Still,' I think that there will be time to fight this bear and kill or be killed by it before it grows dark, and if not, I will return alone tomorrow morning. Then I pulled my horse round and rode ahead. As I went, my ears being very quick, I heard the other two talking together. At least I suppose that I heard them. At any rate, I know what they said, although, strangely enough, nothing at all comes back to me of their tale of an attack upon a ship. "'or of what then I did or did not do. "'It is not wise to jeer at Olaf,' said Steiner. "'For when he is stung with words, he does mad things. "'Don't you remember what happened "'when your father called him nittering last year? "'Because Olaf said it was not just "'to attack the ship of those British men "'who had been driven to our coast by weather, "'meaning us no harm?' "'I,' answered Ragnar, he leaped among them all alone as soon as our boat touched their side and felled the steerman. Then the British men shouted that they would not kill so brave a lad and threw him into the sea. It cost us that ship, since by the time we had picked him up she had put about and hoisted her large sail. Oh, Olaf is brave enough, we all know that. Still, he ought to have been born a woman or a priest of Freya who only offers flowers. "'Also he knows my tongue and bears no malice.' "'Pray that we get him home safe,' said Steiner uneasily, "'for if not there will be trouble with your mother "'and every other woman in the land to say nothing of Iduna the Fair.' "'Iduna the Fair would live through it,' answered Ragnar with a hard laugh. "'But you are right, and what is more, "'there will be trouble among the men also, "'especially with my father, and in my own heart.' After all, there is but one Olaf. At this moment, I held up my hand, and they stopped talking. End of chapter 1